And you may be seated this morning. So before we pray, I gotta check one thing. All right. I have nightmares about getting up here and there being the wrong sermon on that slideshow, just so you know. That's been something years I've had nightmares about, so don't want that to happen. That would be rough. So let's go ahead and pray. So right now, let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege of coming together to, um, to worship, to fellowship. God, right now, as we get ready to study your word, we're, just, we're, we're praying, God, that all this time will just come under your kingdom authority rule that you'll reign and rule over the space and over this time. Just remove all the distractions from out of our hearts, our minds. Help us to tune in to you and what you're saying right at our point of need. So right now, this time for, you know, we're praying together, but I just want to ask you right now in your heart, just for you to pray right now to the Lord. He can hear you. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray something like this. Open my spiritual eyes, my spiritual ears. Help me to hear and see what you want me to hear and see this morning, oh God. Convict me where I need conviction. Encourage my heart where I need encouragement. So God, we, we do thank you for this time and we pray, God, right now that just consecrate it to you and pray that you'll move and do what only you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name. You agree with that? Say amen. amen. Now, whenever I was a kid that started coming up on Christmas time, this was like the holy scriptures to me. This right here was. This was the, the Sears Roebuck catalog for Christmas. And the whole back section of this thing was just filled up with toys. I mean, man, I knew that book inside and out as we got close to Christmas time. Because what they knew is they knew this. They knew that they could put all kinds of cool stuff in there. I think I had one of these, by the way. Go, I can say go Cowboys with conviction this morning. Man, I mean, like, stuff like that, I would see, man, like, look at that. I mean, that was, this was 19, I think it was 74 or something like that. I mean, like, it was $39, $21. A big one was $50. Times have changed, huh? But this, all but all of the toys, I was thinking back about my favorite toys that I got for Christmas. And I'm going to show you my very favorite toy I ever got for Christmas. And it was this one. The Evil Knievel Scramble Van. Man, that was like one of the best toys. I mean, I, I mean, hours and hours out in the driveway with that thing, man, revving it up, spinning it, would jump, had a ramp, would jump over the, the van. And I mean, I spent, had so much fun with that toy right there. That was awesome. Do you know where that toy is now? I don't either. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, though, how that we can just, as we get older, our toys get bigger and more expensive? And, you know, it's like, you know, we're always, you know, I mean, like if you're, if you're following the devotions I'm sending out, those kingdom devotions, you might know us, but that's what we talked about Friday morning is that, you know, God has created every single one of us with a need component. So, and, that, and that need component is to get us pulled into him, that Lord, I need thee every hour I need thee, but your need component has been hijacked. The world, the devil, and your own flesh has hijacked that, that need component inside of you, making you think that you, you need things of this world, that the things of this world will satisfy you, will, will make you feel complete. But just like all these toys, I mean, everything of this world, you're eventually going to be left empty wanting more. Hey, listen, there's a whole bunch of people serving, pastors, leaders, serving in church right now, this morning, that have got this empty ache inside of their hearts. Because they've been looking to the world 
to fulfill only that space that God can fulfill. That's the only thing right there. Anything else is eventually going to leave you with an ache. You've got to have more, bigger, better, whatever it may be. So this morning, we're talking about the 10th commandment. If you've been going with us, we go verse by verse to the Bible. We're in Exodus, and we're at the 10th commandment now. And for those of y'all that were here last week, I warned you, this one's going to be rough. Because all the other commandments we look at, I mean, you know, talking about, you know, not killing and not stealing and all this kind of stuff. These are like overt things we do. But we get down to this one. We think, man, this, I'm safe. I'm good. You get down to this one. This one has to do with what you think. As a matter of fact, if you go back and you read the story about the rich young ruler, I think we looked at that Tuesday night in our Bible study. The rich young ruler, whenever Jesus takes him through the commandments, asks him the commandments so that he's kept, he, he doesn't do the 10th commandment. He doesn't ask the rich young ruler about that one. This is a tough one this morning. This is one, like last week, man, you thought, if you were here last week, you thought that one was tough. This one right here may be even a step up from that one. This one is rough because this is something that every single one of us, we have dealt with or we are dealing with or we will. I mean, this is all around us all the time. So we're going to talk about killing the greed monster this morning because every single one of us, we are born with a greed monster inside of us. And that thing, we got to be careful about feeding it or killing it. What is greed? Oh, did, I, did I do the last one? Covet. Let's talk about that. To intensely desire or wish for something that belongs to someone else. Often leading to sinful thoughts. That's the key right there. And then those thoughts, they always end up as actions. And then greed. That's an insatiable desire for more. Prioritizing. That's a key word right here. Prioritizing material wealth or gain over God and others. So it may come at the cost of my relationship to God, and it will come at the cost of my relationship with other people. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are all about God helping his people. Think about this. The whole nation of Israel, they had been in Egyptian bondage, right? So he's pulling them out of Egyptian bondage, and now he's trying to keep them from falling into bondage to stuff, to things, to worldly material stuff. Because every single one of us are in danger. Right now, you're in danger of this. Falling into being a slave to the things of this world. And that's what we're here to talk about this morning. And that leads us into our text. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 says, Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servants, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So this is Christian standard Bible. I got another version for you this morning. You have never read this version before. This is the New East Texas version. <laughs> Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his job, his truck, his tractor, his bass boat, his side by side, his shop, his man cave, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, you may be thinking, man, David, that's what about the women? Because, you know, the Bible's always talking about the men. Okay, women did not want you to be left out, so we got one for you. Do not covet your neighbor's home. Do not covet your neighbor's husband, how much money he earns. Her kitchen, her wardrobe, her children's success, her farmhouse decor, her family vacations, her SUV, her social media presence, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's a little bit more home, that New East Texas version. All right, I know y'all are wanting some more of that. Well, so what are some common things in American families today that, they, that, that we tend to covet? Number one, and this is not in priority. These are just 10, 12, 12 just pulled out of the air. Just kind of thinking about this. Things that we look at other people and we think, man, I wish that I had that. I wish that I had financial stability. Or maybe you might look at somebody else's, their car, their homes, recreational toys, it's easy to look at somebody else's career success and think, man, mine just doesn't quite measure up. If I had that, 
I would be happy. Maybe physical appearance, social status, quality family time, talented children, man. You know, their children seem so successful and they got it all together and they don't know the struggle. And here's what I would tell you too about the talented children. You do not know the struggle that's going on behind closed doors. By the way, if you see that, you think that. And then advanced education for yourself or even for your children. And then that strong, loving family. Once again, man, you don't know what goes on. See, I mean, there's this appearance. You live in a world that's all about facade, man. I mean, especially now with, with, with social media, what you live in right now. I mean, we always put our put the best, you know, and like, man, the great pictures and all that kind of stuff. Very few people do we put the worst stuff out on social media. Personal freedom, man, if I just had the free time that they have, man, those vacations to travel, once again, you can tell, you see everybody's vacations and their travel, and then it may be health and wellness. Let me ask you a question, you know, as we look at this, you look at those 12 on that list, has there ever been or is there now at this point, do you think, do you look at anything on this list, you thought, man, if I just had that or those, then I would be happier, our family would be better, and would be more complete. Well, the greed monster's getting you if you're saying yes. If you're feeling that in your heart, then it's got a hold of you right now. So what are some indicators of covetous, emotional indicators? If, you're, if I'm envious or jealous, envious or jealous of anybody else, if there's always this desire to, for more, or maybe, man, just I had a different job. I lived in a different house, had a different car, you know, just a different spouse, whatever it may be, you know, different church, man. It's just, just there's got to be something because I'm always aching, needing more. And there's that bitterness towards those who have what you want. Man, it just they, they, when something goes wrong with them, it's like, oh, yeah, they finally got it coming to them. There's feelings like that, then that's dangerous. Look at this. We're talking about Moses. We're in the book of Exodus. Look at what happened to Moses. I'm going to show you something very interesting. Look at this. This is Numbers chapter 12. Take note of that, okay? So this is Moses' sister Miriam and his brother Aaron. They criticized Moses. Because of his Cushite woman he had married. If he had married a Cushite woman. Okay, so everything's good with Moses. Until it's not. And then whenever things start going away, a direction that, that, that they don't like, then all of a sudden this, this becomes a problem. It never was a problem until now. All of a sudden he's got a Cushite wife. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about this morning? Sometimes everything seems good and then there's this one flashpoint. When that flashpoint happens, then... This stuff has been happening for years. All of a sudden, that becomes a problem. Here they are. All of a sudden, they got a, they got a problem with his wife. And here's what they said. That's not Yahweh speak only through Moses. Does he not also speak through us? Oh, and the Lord heard it. And so when the Lord heard it, he took Miriam and Aaron and Moses to the tent. His presence comes down in the cloud. Okay. And God talks to them. He pretty much straightens them out. Like, what are you doing? This is my prophet. This is my guy. I'm the one that chose him. And you're getting off in dangerous territory. And when the cloud lifts back off, they look over at Miriam. And Miriam is struck with leprosy. I mean, I mean, so then Aaron turns to Moses and says, my Lord, man, please don't let this plunge, but follow her. Pray to the Lord. And Moses does. And God removes the leprosy. But my, my whole point is this. His own brother and sister turned against him. Not because of, you remember the burning bush? You guys said it went all the way through. God, he was a reluctant, I mean, he didn't want, want to go. This isn't what he chose. This is what God chose for him. And then, number 16, just a few chapters later, now Korah, son of Ishar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, with Dathan and Abraham, son of Eliab, and son of Peleth, son of Reuben, 
took 250 prominent Israelite men who were leaders of the community and representatives in the assembly, and they rebelled against Moses. Now, do you know why they were rebelling against Moses? Because they got up to the promised land. This is just after they got to the promised land, and the spies went in, and they came back, said, we can't take the land because there's giants in the land there. We're grass and all that kind of stuff, you know. And then they came back out, and they spread a bad report among all the people, and they said, let's stone Moses, kill him, pick a new leader, and let's go back to Egypt. Do you remember that? This is just after that. Just after that, a dude, now listen, I know this is tough for us living in our, we filter that. Okay, in this soft world we live in today, a guy goes out on the Sabbath and he gathers up some sticks and they come back and they said, Moses, the guy's out here on the Sabbath breaking the Sabbath, picking up sticks. What are we going to do? Moses says, God said the dude's got to die. And they stone him to death. After this, all these things are happening Moses is just following God's word, and it's hard. I just want to tell you something. Nothing has changed. We don't have to go execute people for picking up sticks on the Sabbath, but God's word is hard. If you're going to follow it, see, we're real good about sugarcoating it and making it real easy to fit into our American culture, but we follow the word of God, man. This is hard. And so whenever this is, all this happens, of course, like, man, got all these people, and they, they rebel against Moses, and they came together against Moses and Aaron. They told them, you've gone too far. Man, this is too hard, too rough. We just want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to bondage. You've gone too far. Everyone in the entire community is holy, and Yahweh is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above Yahweh's assembly? Moses did not exalt himself. This was his chosen position. And once again, all kinds of stuff broke out. You want to go read the rest of that story? It's an interesting story, but we don't have time. My point is this. Do you know why these people are turning against Moses? Because of envy. Because they don't want, they think, man, listen, what Moses got, we all got that. We're just the same as Moses right here. It's not contingent on how good they are, how bad they are. This is what God chose. And they, they can't deal with what God's chosen here. Let me, let, me tell you, let, let me tell you something. Let me ask you a question. Can you accept God's chosen place for you in this world right now? Can you accept that? See, because here's our problem, is that we think we got a better way. We got, we got a better plan. We got something that worked better for me. So I'm asking you this right now. I mean, so God's plan, God's purpose, God's will, his kingdom purpose for your life, are you good with that? So more indicators, behavioral indicators, constantly comparing to others who, have, who are in the how. They have the things that we want. Man, comparing myself to them. Man, how do I, how do I measure up to them? That's a behavioral indication. Excessive spending, trying to keep up with the others who are in the how. I'll get, man, I'll get those same toys they got. I'll have just as much fun as they have. I'll be just as important as they are. Self-destructive. Overemphasis on career and success. I mean, I mean, self-destruct the point to where it destroys relationships with marriage, destroys relationships with children, destroys relationships with people in the church, all because of overemphasis on the career because my identity is built up in that career and success. If I am successful and I have this wonderful career, then there's my title. That's who I am. Everybody looks at me and says, wow, look at him. He's great. Look at that title. He's successful. And all of a sudden, I feel important. And all of a sudden, I don't realize that the greed monster has got me in its clutches. 
spiritual indicators. Lack of focus on spiritual disciplines. Too busy with all the other things, trying to keep up, trying to get those things. I don't have enough time. I don't, listen, God's got to understand, man. I don't have enough time to do all those devotions that preacher's talking about. You know, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. Well, listen, I'll tell you something. If you get to that point right there, you got to understand something. Do you know why you're so busy? The devil does not mind you being too busy with the blessings God has given you, right? He will, he, it's, you're not, you know, like, I don't know where this thing came up in our culture. People say, oh, you staying busy? I don't, where do we get that? I mean, like, you, if you ask me that, I'll tell you, I'm trying not to. Because I don't see busy as good. Okay? Because, like, you got to be careful. Like, what am I going to be? I mean, busy to me is a bad word. Purposeful is a better word. Stewardship is a better word. Doubting God's provisions and goodness. Do you believe? Let me ask you something. Do you believe if you go God's way, that he's going to provide for you? I mean, if you look at, yeah, if you got the, the, you know, we go two different directions in the road, and the, God's direction looks like less money, looks like less prosperity, looks like, uh, you know, not quite the title and the success, and, and, and yet your way, man, there's this great title, there's this wonderful success, there's the easy road, man. I mean, it's like all downhill. Do you not see the world, the flesh, and the devil is involved in this? It makes it look real easy, man. You just slide right over. He makes it real easy at first. All the success. You're like, man, those crazy Christians going that way, fighting uphill battle like that. And here, I'm just, this is easy. But here's the thing. That easy roller coaster turns into a rough struggle bus. Bounces you all over the place, will kick you out the back. You'll be hanging on to a rope, bouncing all across the rock bottom before long, before you know it, because everything will fall apart. The devil's a liar. And he is leading you into a lie. So I'm asking once again, how do you feel about God's kingdom purpose for your life? Because there is one. You've got one. There's idolatry, placing created things above the creator. Let me, let me tell you something. Let's just go ahead and hurt everybody's feelings right now. The created things, that's your, that's your husband, that's your wife, and that's your children. Those are created things also. There's, those are things that God has created. There are wonderful blessings of God, Listen, we got Monday night ministry on, on, on marriage. I mean, it's a wonderful ministry over there. And, and, and marriage is a wonderful gift from God, but it's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing, that's your relationship with God. Let me tell you something. Anything that you love ultimately, are you listening? Say amen. amen. You will eventually end up hating. You make that spouse your God, then that's not fair to your spouse. Hey, no one can be your God. And you will end up hating that person. You make that child your God, that child is not going to turn out the way that you think they should. And eventually you will have problems with that child. But if you got, listen, if God, you got your, you got your loves ordered and God is your ultimate thing, that's your identity, your purpose is built on that solid rock of Jesus Christ, then nothing in this world can knock you off. Then whenever your spouse doesn't treat you right, you don't come unraveled. Your kids don't turn out the way that they think they should. You don't come unraveled. You're on, listen, nothing, nothing takes you off of the rock of Jesus Christ when you're rooted in that. I mean, listen, when you come to church, you got to understand something. I know, listen, listen. <laughs> I grew up in church, and, the, and the, the more guilty the preacher made me feel, the better I thought the sermon was. So I'm not in here trying to put you on a guilt trip. I'm trying to get you to go the opposite direction. We don't, I'm not about guilt trips. I'm about you finding the kingdom of God. It's all around you. I'm just telling you, man, listen, you get, you get, you get, 
plugged into this, nothing can shake you. Church preachers, church leaders, other people in church can't knock you off the rock of Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. So Paul's talking about how the church of Philippi had given him, supplied him with financial needs that he had. Here's what he said. He said, now I don't say this out of need. See, because your need component has been hijacked. <laughs> He's like, man, when it comes down to money and all that kind of stuff, that's then what I need. I have learned. Okay, listen, are you, are you, looking, are you looking at the scripture this morning, church? This is something that you don't come with naturally. You're not born with this. Okay? You know, those, those sweet children of yours and grandchildren, they're not born with this either. You've got to learn to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. So, like, here, do you know how Paul learned this? Paul learned this through pain. For some of us, I mean, those, those worldly things we fall in love with, they've got to crush us before we realize, hey, you know what? This is crushing me. Only Jesus has never crushed me. So I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. And any and all circumstances I have, there it is again, I've learned, well, there's a secret right there. Wait a second. Now, in, in the Greek, it says mysterion. Does that sound like secret to you, or does that sound like something else? Mysterion. Yeah, there we go. Good job, class. Back in class again. So he's saying that, that there's a mystery right here of, you know, of, of being, now, let's, let's, you know, I feel a responsibility to tell you that's not in the original text right there, okay? It's, impli it's implied from verse 11, so it's not a bad translation, but most of your translation will say, I've learned the secret, but let's look at what the original says. I've learned the secret, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. So I found, I've learned the mystery. So what's the mystery involved in this? You ready for the mystery? I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That's not so you can bench press 300 pounds. <laughs> Seeing that in all the Christian weight rooms, it's not it. It's about how you can handle having a lot or having little. There's a mystery in there. How do I learn how to be content? What is this all about? Number one on your outline right there. You got that outline, got your pen ready? Here we go. Number one, true contentment. True contentment is mysterious because it isn't found in worldly pursuits. It's only found in your position and your identity in, it blew my mind. Listen, I'll tell you something. I had been preaching for years and I was in Bible college and I heard the professor talking about our position in Christ Jesus and it blew my mind. All I talked about is just getting saved, get saved, get saved, get saved, go to heaven. He's like, the Bible says over and over again, your position in Christ, your position in Christ, that, those, that salific language. And I was like, that was, that was, that was like a light bulb went off then. I was like, that's what being saved is. Being saved is not about my performance, it's about my position in Christ Jesus. And this changes everything. Now this is what gives me my identity and my purpose, not my, not my worldly job title, not my family, not my house, not, not looks, not personality, None of those things. See, that's how the world identifies you. The kingdom identifies you in a whole different thing. You've got to get this. This world is coming to an end. Man, had a memorial service for a dear Christian lady here, Diana Hoops, yesterday. See the family here this morning. And you know, every time that I come to memorial service, and look at those pictures, those 
pictures from Diana, from little child up till now. You know what it reminds me of? of how fleeting this life is like that. I mean, we just got a moment here. And then whatever, listen, you get involved in the kingdom right here, you get involved in God doing his work, that's forever. All this other stuff, man, this job and your house and your car and all these things the world identifies you with, man, that is temporary. It is coming to a screeching halt. And then there's forever and ever and ever. Then Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we're, wait, wait, God the Father, God the Son, and God the... So God is leading, the Holy Spirit is leading God the Son into the... Look at this, for the whole purpose to be tempted by the devil. Does that mess with you a little bit? You do realize it's not a sin to be tempted, right? It's only a sin when you give in to temptation. So you got to get this. Listen, you that are in Christ Jesus, that you are trying to seek the kingdom first, here's what you have to understand. Sometimes God will allow you to be tempted. And y'all, some of y'all are like, man, what? I don't need any help with that, man. Temptation's all around me. It's everywhere I look, everywhere I go. I heard a preacher say one time, everything's a, a trust, a test, and a temporary assignment. A lot of truth to that. You're always going to be tested. You are in the flesh. Look at this right here. Even Jesus himself was tested. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's an understatement right there, by the way. You could imagine. Here he is. 100% God, 100% man, and he's hungry. 40 days, 40 nights, no eating. Then the tempter approached him, and he said, Now, if you really are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. I've got to ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus could turn those stones into bread if he so chose to. No problem. He's got the power and the authority to do that. He could speak, and boom, it's going to turn right into bread. Does he have a real physical need? Yes, he does. He needs some, some food. He's hungry. He could do this. So there, listen, I'll tell you something. When you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, don't think the enemy is going to leave you alone. Don't think when you got right there, when everything is, is exhausted on you, you are, and you're at your, that the, the enemy's not going to have pity on you and be, oh, man, I just feel sorry for that David Yarbrough right now. This don't bother him. Man, that's when the enemy will jump on you, when you're depleted, when you're worn out, when you're stressed out, when you're exhausted, when you've been too busy too long, and you have not been Sabbathing. Yeah. <laughs> Preaching to myself now. <laughs> Contentment. Through, listen, here's a temptation, that you will be content if you get the food, if you get the wealth, if you get the possessions, if you got the material things, if you got these temporary consumerism. I mean, that means that you, because it's gone. These stuff of this world. Listen, you got something you really love right now? I mean, no, I was a kid. I was out there with that evil can evil toy. Man, I love, yeah, what's, what's your favorite toy? Man, that's it right there. That's my world right there, man. The world's gone. Where's it today? I have no, I don't, even, I don't even know when we threw it away. I don't know when I stopped playing with it. And right now, there's something right now that you're holding on to. You think, man, this is it. This is my all in all. And one of these days, one of these days, I'm telling you, it will not be there. It's going to come down to you and God. That's it. Every single one of us. It's appointed once for a man to die, but then the judgment. Are you investing in the kingdom? Is a kingdom in you? Here we go. What did Jesus do about this? He answered. He answered with the Bible. 
Man, why does a preacher get up there and shout and spit and talk about me reading the Bible and devotional praying? Because you got to, listen, you going to stand up this temptation that you got? There's no getting around the temptation. Then you got to know the Word of God. you got to have the Word of God flowing through you. It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 is what he's quoting right there. So you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I don't have my eyes on the worldly bread. I've got my eyes on the eternal bread. That all this stuff right here doesn't matter to me right now. What matters to me is my relationship with God and what God, how God is sustaining me. Because I know this, this world cannot sustain me is what he's saying here, ultimately. Number two, kingdom contentment is not obtained by addition of more stuff, but by the subtraction of desires, sins, and self-sufficient. Well, that's easier said than done. That's a mouthful right there, by the way. Because this world, man, I mean, listen, that Sears Roebuck magazine was just telling me if I had more. I flipped through that thing, look at that. If I just got more, if I, if I have all these things in here that I wanted, I would be happy. That, that's, that is, you know, today, man, I go to Amazon. Man, that's a, man, Amazon, that is of the devil, I'm convinced. <laughs> you just click that button, it's at the house, sometimes the same day now. Way too easy. Click the button, click the button. Oh, I've got to let that rabbit go. We'll get it on Tuesday night, though, okay? Tuesday night rabbit chasing, we'll get it. But now, you know, it's got these, um, these sections down here that are saying, picked out just for you, you know? Uh, you know, it takes all the things I've ordered and been like, these are the things that make your life even better, David. And listen, I'm going to get pissed more and take a lie to you and say, that stuff doesn't bother me. I'm like, I'm looking at that and going, man, that would be, that would make my life much better. That would. All I got to do is just click that button, man, I got it. It'll be in two days. Because <laughs> we think that addition of more stuff, but see, here's the thing. You do realize this, that by subtraction of those desires, my sins, my self-sufficiency, that's where true contentment is found. I'll tell you something, I, I don't, you know, I'm at the point in my life, you know, we, we got trees in our yard, and one of them fell down, it was 150 degrees one of those days, the tree fell down, and I went out there and cut that tree up, I came back in the house, I told Melissa, I said, the next house we live in is not gonna have any trees. <laughs> Little bitty house. Man, I'm at the point now, I'm ready to downsize, you know what I mean? Man, I don't want bigger and more and more, I want smaller and less and less, because bigger and more and more is more stress. The more stuff I've got, the more stressed out I am, man. I'm getting too old for that junk. So, I mean, it's subtraction. Less. I need less because I need less stress. Then the devil took him to the holy city and let, let him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, now, if, there you go. Let's question that. If you really are the son of God, throw yourself down. And here's what the devil says to you. If you really are a child of God, if you really are saved, <laughs> always trying to make you doubt. If you really are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning. So now the, the devil's like, oh yeah, I know the Bible too. He's going to live the Bible now. He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He's quoting Psalm 91, 12 right there. See, the devil will take the Bible and twist it around on you. See, that's identity and trust. Man, am I really a child of God? Will God really take care of me? That's always a question, man. If I go, if I really follow God, if I surrender myself to God, will he really take care of me? Hey, hey, listen, listen. I've heard this so many times, and it's, it is so wrong. There's so many people that are like, 
you know, I'm not going to give my heart to God because I know when I do, he's going to take my family away from me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It smells like smoke. God isn't going to punish you for obeying him. Some of you are like, man, I'm like, if, I, if I obey God and I go do this, I'm going to lose all this. God does not punish you for obeying him. He may test you in that, but he's not going to punish you. If you know what the right thing to do and God's leading you to do this, listen, here's what I can guarantee you. I got 100% guarantee on this. Are you ready? It's going to be hard. Not going to be easy. It's going to be rough. It's not going to be smooth. Everybody's not going to crowd around you to applaud you as you go obey God. Say, man, that's great. That's wonderful. You're obeying God. We're with you on this. There will be roadblocks. There will be people telling you, don't do that. Every, listen, the people that you love the most will turn against you the fastest. So I don't want to come in here this morning and tell you, man, yeah, man, you go, go serve Jesus and it'll all go easy. Number three. So whenever you're unhappy, so right now, dear friends, you're here, sitting here in church and you're listening, or you're watching online, you're listening, or maybe later. Whenever you're unhappy, are you discontented right now? Are you bitter? Is there anybody that you're bitter towards right now? Are you miserable? Here's the question you gotta ask yourself then what besides God have I built my identity and purpose on? Because here's what's for sure. As long as my identity and my purpose is built on Christ, the, the, the solid rock I stand, sung that while ago. Man, I, I told Josh, they told me this morning, like, hey, Dave, the last song is going to be, you know, Christ, the solid rock I stand. I, went to, I told Josh, I was like, Josh, I said, I told Melissa this week, that song was running through my head all week long. What a coincidence, right? <laughs> but as long as I'm on that, then... I'm not going to find myself, I'm, I'm gonna, listen, I'm going to have hard times, but I'm not going to be filled up with discontentment, bitterness, and miserable, and I'm not going to be angry at everybody else. If I'm on Christ, if that's what I built all my identity and my purpose on, then I will not suffer those things. Jesus told him it is written. Jesus is going to use the Bible correctly. Do not test the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy 6.16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And their splendor. Man, this, this verse right here blows my mind. And y'all have heard me talk. You guys listen to me preach every week. Y'all have heard me talk about this. This is the one that blows my mind. And he said to him, if you will give me all these things, I will give you all these things if you will fall down. So the devil's saying, telling Jesus, they'll give him all the kingdoms of the world, and he'll just fall down and worship him. At this point, I want Jesus to step up and go, you got no authority to do that. But he doesn't. Do you know why? Because Adam and Eve forfeited their kingdom authority when they sinned in the garden. They forfeited over to him. And now, listen, the world you live in, it's under his authority. That's why when you get positioned in Christ Jesus, you're no longer under his authority. The Bible says something about him being under your foot, you stomping on his head. In Romans, the whole authority shifts, but you get in, because it's not our power, it's the power of Jesus. It's not our authority, it's the authority of Jesus. I'm in, I'm positioned in that now. Man, when the devil sees me coming, he's going to run. I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil's afraid of me. Because I am positioned, I stay daily, hourly, minute by minute, I stay in that position. Because I know the enemy's just waiting on me to step out. And when I step out, boy, he is cocked and ready. See, this one right here is a temptation for pride and control, and every single one of us struggle with this. That's where we want to rule and control others for our own selfish gain, and that's where the temptation is right here for you today, my friend. 
the devil is coming at you and your flesh and the world, everything's coming at you saying, man, you gotta have more, you gotta have more power, you gotta have more authority, you gotta be big. Work your way up here, because then when you get up here, everybody else gotta do what you say, because then you'll be in control. Now, no one else will take control of you. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, exclamation mark. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. Then the devil did exactly what he said. Because he has to every time. There's never a time in the Bible where Jesus gives a command to the devil or the demons that they don't obey him. Every single time. Do you know why? Because he's God. He's 100% God, 100% man. Now, now why on earth would I not want to be positioned in that kind of power and authority? Why on earth would I not want to submit myself to him being king over every aspect of my life? The reason I wouldn't is because of my own pride and my own selfishness and because I'm fearful. I don't believe he will do what he said he's going to do and provide and protect in my life. And the devil left him, and the angels came. That's a pretty good swap right there. And they began to serve him. Pretty good swap. So here's what Jesus says. He says that you need to watch out. Anytime Jesus says that you need to watch out, I'm going to pay pretty close attention to what he's going to say. He said, watch out and be on your guard against all greed. You mean there's one more than one? Yeah, there's a whole bunch. It's all over everywhere. All greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Let's talk about killing the greed monster right quick. How do you do this? First of all, you've got to be willing to come before God and say, God, let's search my heart. Show me if there's any way in me that where greed has got its, wrapped its, itself around my heart and it's pulling me towards, away from you. So I've got to be willing to confess and repent of all of my sins. I've got to say, man, I don't want to live in this sin. See, right now, see some of you right now, you are living in, I mean, like you're in perpetual sin. You're justifying looking at that pornography. You're justifying abusing those drugs. You're justifying whatever it may be. And you're into that, that, that relationship you shouldn't be into. And you're justifying that, saying, this is all, listen, it's not okay. And here's what's going to happen. You are destroying yourself, plain and simple. You choose to sin, you choose to suffer. So i got to be willing to confess and repent of my sin. I better be willing to discipline myself towards devotions every day. And let me tell you something, friend. You guys that are reading those devotions I'm sending out every morning, that isn't because I think that I've got to be doing some extra work. The whole purpose of that is so that you, I mean, if you're enjoying the teaching here, that's to help you all through the week to learn what it means to live in the kingdom of God. That's why they're called kingdom living devotions. That's the whole purpose of those. Got to be willing to practice gratitude. Do you know the reason why we don't, don't practice gratitude? It's because of fear. Whenever I get to the point where I realize that everything has inheritance from God to be shared, I have no problem practicing gratitude. I have no problem. I mean, I'm not going to walk by the tip bucket and just keep on walking and say, I'm going to keep that. You know, they got to work a little harder for You know what I'm saying? Trust God to provide. Limit greed, stirring exposure. Man, listen, if looking at social media, if that makes you bitter and greedy, stop doing it. If watching TV, movies, I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, if you're sitting there watching whatever it is, or you're exposed to something and it's making you more greedy, more envious, then stop doing that. And maybe you need an accountability partner to help you with this, someone that you can talk to about this. I'll say, hey, when you fall into that, help you. You know, think about financial stewardship, that whole tithing. Every time I tithe, I'm like killing the greed monster. You know that? 
I mean, like, when I'm just on things, so seriously, when, when I tithe, I mean, like, I should be saying, man, praise God, I love you, Jesus, this is all your money. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going the, the opposite direction. I'm like, man, this greedy monster is going to die today. There's a tithe. Last one. Number four, contentment is not a worldly state, but a kingdom principle grounded in our trust in God's sovereign goodness and provision. So it all comes down to this. Do I really believe that God owns everything? Do I really believe that he's gonna provide and protect when I live under his kingdom authority rule? When I've got that down, then the greed monster doesn't have a chance to wrap itself around my legs and drag me down. Let's all stand up this morning. So the thing about the problem with our material things is this. What guarantee do you have that at the end of the day you'll still have all those things? You ever been robbed before? Man, you ever had somebody come when you're not there and just take your stuff? And you come, you come back home and, or whatever and it's all gone or part of it's gone or whatever. Man, that's like a, it's a sinking feeling in your heart when that happens. It's just like, man, I wish they just would have came and asked. I would have gave it to them, you know? I mean, like, they're taking it. So the situation is this. There's no guarantees for tomorrow for any of us. There's no guarantee that, that I'll be in good enough health that even tomorrow those things will even matter. You know, sometimes the most loving thing that God can do for us is to put us flat on our back to where all we can do is realize what really is important in life. You ever got a second chance before? Maybe a third chance or a fourth chance. I'm living on one of those. I don't know. It's way on down the line. But, but here's what I know about people that get more chances. Is when they lose everything and they get another chance, oh, man, they're pretty serious now. They take it pretty serious. And I can think about the times whenever everything fell apart in my hands and my life come crushing down, and I'm grateful today that God did that that he allowed that to happen in my life. So I don't take very many things for granted anymore. I know I probably do more than I think, but there's some things that you should have just took for granted. And I'll tell you something, standing right here and right now and doing this, I don't take this for granted. I don't take this moment for granted. I've been doing this for 22 years. And in 22 years, I can tell you this. I've been the one that's preached the last sermon that a lot of people have heard on the face of this earth. So I don't take this for granted. So when I tell you this, please understand. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to scare you. But you've got to realize what's most important. And I can guarantee it's not in this world. It's in the kingdom. And that's why I'm always trying to steer you back in that direction. So right now, so we get ready to go into our time of communion. Are you sure about your salvation? Are you sure today, if this was your last day, you would go to heaven? And if you're sitting here right now, you're like, man, I just, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. 
So it's not about you being good enough, okay? It's not about your performance. It's about your position. Do you believe Jesus Christ is God? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Have you brought yourself under that kingdom authority rule and said, Jesus, you are my God. You're my king. Forgive me of my sins. I pour this all out before you. I'm not going to be that person anymore. I'm yours. If you've done anything similar to that and it's transforming your heart, it's changing you from the inside out, then that's what salvation is. It isn't about just saying a prayer. It isn't about going to church. It isn't about being baptized. It's about transformation of your heart. Are you experiencing that? That's how you know. So what a wonderful thing. We get to commune with the Lord. So you can go ahead. There's elements right at the front, elements at the back. Once you get your elements, you can have a seat. Appreciate it. So before we move all the way away from the Ten Commandments and we leave this in our rearview mirror and keep on moving forward to Exodus, I wanted to uh, stop and think about something, consider something when the commandments as a whole. So if, if I was going to simplify down the commandments, the Ten Commandments, to the no commandments, because that's a lot of times people are like, man, God's like, no, 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 and all this, trying to save us from ourselves. But here's what the Ten No Commandments would be. No other gods, no idols, no misuse of Yahweh's name, that's his personal name, no Sabbath breaking, no dishonoring parents, no murder, no adultery, no stealing, and we'd expect to say no lying, but it doesn't say that, no false witnesses, there's a whole sermon about that last week, and no coveting. But then you could change it even from that to change it to these, the no commandments. Number one, be no Yahweh as your Elohim. No, the personal name of God is your God, that he is your personal God. Know how to order your loves. Know the power of Yahweh's name. Know how to keep one day holy to Yahweh. Know how to value and honor your parents. Know the value of life. Know the exclusivity of the marriage covenant. Know how all things belong to Yahweh. And know how to respect the character of your neighbor. And know how to be content. So is there anything in your life right now that if you said, man, if, I don't know if we took that thing out, if I'd be okay. If, we, if God removed that thing from my life, 
I don't know that I could live without that one thing. So as nicely as I can tell you, then that thing is your idol. And as nicely as I can tell you, that thing will destroy you in time. When we talk about ordering our loves, the whole purpose of getting those, those loves ordered is that so the things of this world will not wreck you out. Because you've moved over right now, right here, into eternity. When you're living in the kingdom, right here and right now, you're already living in eternal. That's why Jesus called it eternal life. So here we are, about to have communion with the eternal God. That blows my mind, by the way. Right now, you and I are doing something that is eternal. This. This, this is, we're fixing to move, mysterious, talking about mysteries. We're fixing to move beyond something into something mysterious here as we, as we take communion right here, sitting at the table with Jesus. We tell him, thank you for laying down his life for us. You know, I'm going to show you that same verse. I know, see, some of y'all, some of y'all love me going back over that same thing. Some of y'all are like, oh. Well, for those that are like, oh, then just got to bear with me for a minute because I'm going to do this every week because we got to know this, right? Some of y'all got that memorized. Y'all seen that so many times. It's memorized. Thank the Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit will just fry that right into your brain because when you're positioned in Christ Jesus, because the world, the flesh, and the devil is trying to tell you, tell you something else, trying to tell you a lie, but you're condemned. Oh, you can't be saved. You did that. You must not be a Christian. You feel that way. Oh, well, I'm going to come back and say, hey, your life being transformed? <laughs> then he's lying. They're lying. See, there's no condemnation because all of my sins are forgiven. We're coming here right now in this moment as we partake of communion, communing with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that there's no condemnation when I'm positioned in you, living under your kingdom authority rule. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, Paul says. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's go ahead and open up, take out the bread this morning. So here we are, holding this, this wafer, something mysterious about to happen. So here's what I want to tell you before you do this, I'm busy. I mean, I. I'm guilty of this. I get in too big of a hurry. I like chew this up real quick, try to open up the juice. Think, think for a moment what you're doing. You're assimilating this wafer, and it's much like how you assimilate Christ Jesus into every fiber of who you are when you live in the kingdom. So this right here, it is representative of the body of Christ, laid down for you so that you can be forgiven of all your sins. So if you want to, you can pray with me because this is communion. We're all doing something common union here as we remember this. So if you want to pray with me, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for forgiving me. You're my God. You're my King. You're my Lord. And you're my Savior. Let's see it in faith, church. Think about that. What you doing right now? In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and open up the juice.
Man, I tell you what, as we go through the book of Exodus, I just, my heart goes out to Moses. Whether we go in this, man, I mean, that dude had to put up with some stuff. And I think about, I see him that first day he's out there by the burning bush, and he's like, man, don't want to go, and God's commanding him to go. And then all the things that he saw on that journey. And one of the things that he saw on that journey is he saw the Passover. God instituted the Passover where they took the, the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb, they put it over the doorposts, and everybody who came inside the house was saved from the death angel coming over. And that's on the Passover is whenever he instituted the new covenant. And he's talking about, he takes his juice, and he's drinking the wine there, and he says, this right here represents the blood of the new covenant, the forgiveness of sins. I mean, like, we can't wrap our mind around all of our sins are forgiven. Are you thankful for that today? Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, that too. I know right now some of y'all just thought, oh, that one's really, no, no, that one too. Your worst regrets, every single one of them, every one. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for your blood. You're my God. You're my King. You're my Lord. And you're my Savior. Let's drink in faith, church. You want to stand up today and break free, to the, break free of the greed monster? Let's go ahead and stand up. That didn't work. So, you know, one of the things was gratitude. So what are you thankful for today? I mean, like, so, I mean, we ask ourselves, say, okay, you know, David, you talked about that one thing that, like, if I lost it, I don't think I'd be okay. And that's the thing I'm most grateful for. That's good. So you got to realize that, that thing right there, that is a gift, a good gift from God. And I don't want that good gift from God becoming God. So God, thank you. Can you just do that right now in your mind, just thinking about that or those things? God, thank you for, that's a gift from you. I'm so, so thankful. God, help me steward that well. Help me to remember that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So God, we thank you today for your blessings, your grace, your mercy. God, that even though... Sometimes we allow the greed monster to wrap itself around our legs, that you still love us, that you're just trying to save us from ourselves, that you're trying to save us from our own flesh, from this world system that we're living in that's always telling us we, we got to have more, I need this. Holy Spirit, just reorient our hearts to where we understand that there's a component you put inside of us that needs you, God. An eternal component that needs a loving relationship with you. Remind our hearts of this this coming week as we get into the busyness of this week and the business. God, we right here in this moment, we recognize that you are our all in all. We recognize that this life is temporary and fleeting and in a moment, we'll all come to an end, and then we'll have eternity. 
Help us to be diligent, disciplined, to keep our hearts turned towards you. So if you've got questions about your salvation today, then don't leave out of here with those questions still running through your heart. I'll be up here at the front. There'll be other people around you can talk to. We'll be glad to talk to you about that. That is the most important thing. So I'll pray this over before you head out today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go in Jesus' name.